0: Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Hello and welcome, ladies and gents, to the Denalys... Yeah. I've <laughs> fucked it up already. It's always that word, isn't it? Den- Oh, yeah. I
1: almost spat my tea out.
0: <laughs> I went into it with such, um, such vigour. Okay, let's try again. Hello and welcome, ladies and gents, to the Denalysis Fancy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by Natalie. Great news, everybody. The football is back, and it was a week that promised so much Bournemouth playing leaky Norwich, Liverpool taking a trip to relegation candidates Man United, Spurs with the opportunity to bounce back against the woeful Watford, and Man City fired up and ready to hit five goals after their disappointing loss to Wolves. But instead, it turns out that Jamie Vardy wasn't to be the only VAR to be embroiled in a scandal this side of the international break. Natalie, do you remember a time, a simpler time, when we dreamed of how VAR would make Milivojevic such a great option? How there would be penalties and red cards for snide fouls that referees would usually miss? Now I'm just thinking they should bring the VAR guys here uh, and, and I fight them to the death because it's all gone wrong. It, what the hell
1: was that shit? I'm going to actually jump my entire note to gun here. Um, it's interesting that you raise Milivojevic as being like what we thought was going to be the greatest asset of all time. Hmm. Not only did he have his five yellow card ban in the last game week, he's got another yellow card this game week.
0: Are you kidding me? So it's
1: actually the opposite effect is happening (laughs) with Milojevic.
0: Which I guess typically, like all things fantasy football, is just do the opposite of what you think you should actually do and you'll usually do okay. Nail it. Because, yeah, I do remember that, actually, seeing him picking up a yellow card. And he was, you know, he almost gave away a goal quite early on. But it was it was pretty scandalous, I think, by my count. And admittedly, I didn't feel passionately enough about this to, like, make a note of each and every one. But I feel like there are a good five decisions this weekend that were very wrong. There were some good ones. So there was... um. I think in the Wolves against uh, Southampton game, there were two disallowed goals, which were rightfully disallowed. One in particular that was really obvious hand handball from Jimenez, where he, he controlled it with his hand, and it, it. I don't know if it was deliberate. Like he got a yellow card for it in the end, but um, it, it definitely should have been a free kick at least. And then there was all of the shit that went on today in the Liverpool game, where Liverpool's one was rightfully disallowed, but. Um,
1: what is the handball var rule if it hits your hand that's the end so if you're Ooh. attacking and it hits your hand it goes to the other team it's a goal kick or whatever and if you're defending and it hits your hand it's a penalty is that um,
0: the rule kind of it's not as harsh on defenders though because right. basically the situation is if it hits anywhere that's determined to be your arm yeah um in the In the build up to a goal or a touch that leads to a goal, then that goal is disallowed, okay, which technically means that with the way the law's been applied this season, Delhi Ali against Watford, his goal should have been disallowed because it hit essentially his sort of armpit area, which was used to disallow a goal from Dendonka earlier in the season, I think, and there was someone else quite recently. I think it might have been son. Or someone like that, but someone had this really similar goal they scored where they controlled it sort of just with this like breast, shoulder, (laughs) bicep area, right, um, round about your armpit, and and they disallowed the goal. But this this one against um, Watford was allowed, and that was obviously compounded by the clear miss of what was maybe one of the most blatant penalties you'll see all season, where Vatongen took Delafeu out and VAR checked it checked it for a real long time and decided not to give the penalty where I, I mean I guess this is the thing for me when you've got Alan Shearer and I think it was Phil Neville on match of the yeah. day saying this is a definite penalty I and I agree with it I think that means it's a pretty clear penalty because they're not they're not the kind of guys I typically agree with on on things, but. The fact that everyone could see it, it, it was how he kind of hooked De La Feu. De La Feu didn't, like... Um, it wasn't a case of De La Feu trying to move into the challenge. It was the challenge, like, physically got into De La Feu's space and it hooked his leg and it basically dragged him down slowly. But the VAR guys decided that wasn't a penalty. And, I like, this whole this whole situation has just become messy because what it was before was it was all about okay we're going to have consistency now mm. um we may not like it but it's going to be consistent and that's for sure but the handball thing of
1: the opposite has happened
0: yeah because the handball thing I think uh, if I saw that goal um pre-VAR uh the Deli Alley one I'd be like that's a perfectly fine goal like the goalkeepers made a horrendous mistake. I mean, Foster is really the one to blame here because he shouldn't have made that that error in the first place. But if VAR is there to support the referees, and Delafield is clearly hacked down in the box when he's he's close to creating an opportunity, and that's not a penalty, but then something that's been uh, that's had um, goals disallowed earlier in the season is allowed in Deli Ali's case. I'm like, what so what is the what is the line? Where does the arm end? What is your definition of a handball?
1: It's quite and, uh, existential, that question. Yeah. Like what is an arm?
0: What is an <laughs> I I don't know. The VAR <laughs> guys certainly don't know, and whoever's writing the rules for them don't know. And that's kind of the problem that we have at the moment, because the the whole thing about consistency, it's it's gone out the window. Um and it seems like it's kind of at the whim of the the guys doing var on the day um and how much they want to interfere with the referee stuff mm. and it really seems like it's just it's primarily being used just to um piss you off just to piss me off personally, <laughs> and that's what I can't get on board with, yeah, it's frustrating, and I think um if you look at so another point on the consistency is the Rashford goal today. Mm. I think your mileage may vary on this sort of one because for me it was a foul and it was the kind of petty foul that is committed probably you know 20 to 30 times a game whether or not it's given like they're not given every time especially yeah. in big games when you've got you've got two aggressive teams playing each other uh, like a Liverpool-Chelsea sort of match-up you know you tend to expect some of the fouls are going to be let go because the referee just wants the game to flow and there's, there's a bit of physicality, it's expected. Mm. And I think you could make that argument for this uh, this Man United-Liverpool game because Man United approached it very physically. Uh, they got stuck in right away. They were working really hard. They were pressing and, and trying to chase down the Liverpool players, which made it hard for them. But this particular foul on Origi was basically... The player pressing, getting overzealous and kicking through the back of him, which I, I don't understand how that isn't given as a foul if Chris Wood accidentally clipping uh, Johnny Evans yesterday is considered a foul in, in something that leads to a goal. Because that was accidental.
1: That was really unfair. And I, I yeah. couldn't understand. It was like, OK, well, the ball's already in the back of the net. And all he's done is just running accidentally run into him as he's running off on his general trajectory as this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and also if that hadn't have happened there was no way Evans was getting to the ball anyway it was already in the net
0: yeah no I I totally agree on that and I think the thing that Gary, uh, Gary Lineker was saying which I reluctantly agree with because it's true is that it doesn't matter like if the bull was going in the net and he wasn't going to clear it, that doesn't matter in the laws of the game. It if matters a foul to is, me. Yeah, it matters to me as well, like <laughs> from a moral standpoint. But unfortunately, the laws of the game have been imperfect for a long time. And uh, we're gradually seeing more and more scenarios where they're becoming more and more imperfect. And VAR is just highlighting this. But um, it does, in the laws of the game, if there's a foul, it's a foul. It doesn't matter what the bull is doing. But at the same time, this was so accidental. And you're right, like he wasn't getting anywhere near it. And it's just Johnny Evans has essentially got a pass to get away with conceding a goal, which is ridiculous. And that they obviously deemed the Chriswood one to be a foul, which I think when you consider it's accidental. And of course, the, the thing that probably VAR aren't looking at, but like you say, the ball was going in. Johnny Evans wasn't clearing that. It wasn't like Chris Wood had a little look and and tripped him up deliberately. And then you look at Lindelof today and him kicking through the back of Origi. And I think you could argue that Origi had taken a bad touch and was losing the ball anyway. Yeah. But also I think you can argue that Lindelof going into the back of him and chasing him down and getting too tight is what led to him taking that bad touch. And if that, where Lindelof is quite deliberately playing the man and trying to to put him under duress, but Chris Wood is accidentally clipping the man, and Chris Wood's one is disallowed, but this one is not. I'm like, well, how does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. these are two almost different levels of fouls. They're very similar, but different. One is the... Di- I don't want to call it a deliberate foul, but you know his intention was to get close to the man and to try and nick it from him, and it just so happens he kicked the man and the man went down. And I know a lot of Man United fans would probably disagree. Like I've seen on Twitter, lots of people saying that's never a foul, which I just find remarkably disingenuous. And Gary Neville said it perfectly on Sky Sports as well. He was like, "If that was against my team, I'd want the foul." And that's a really good way of looking at things when you're. Uh, when you're considering decisions that were made against or made for your team is like, would I, if that was my team, how would I feel about it? Would I feel aggrieved? And I think the fact that Gary Neville is saying that kind of highlights that there's a problem there. But it's very frustrating Um, just as a football fan. And I think a lot of people like me um, were quite excited about the idea of VAR. And I think being an Arsenal fan over the years, there have been a lot of decisions that have gone against us that maybe shouldn't have. And I felt like VAR was going to be the thing that that was going to level the playing field a bit, especially when you get, you know, certain teams get away with a lot more than others. And I think that often comes down to sort of subconscious ideas about how certain teams play. But I have no trust in the people applying the laws because it's not even consistent now and it's it's become just so chaotic and it doesn't feel like if if a foul is missed it doesn't feel like you're going to get a penalty for that even if it's very blatant and i think that's an issue because that was one of the things var was brought in to do and to identify you know clear red card card fouls and it just seems like they're guessing every time i can't really get on board with it but let's Let's get on into the Game Week 9 review because we've rambled on about VAR for long enough. Um, first note on the list is Jack Grealish's hair. So tell me about his hair, Natalie.
1: <laughs> it's awful.
0: It's it is bad. one of the
1: worst <laughs> football haircuts I've ever seen in my entire life. It's kind of...
0: It reminds me of like um, when you create a character on a video game <laughs> and you just try to make them look as bad as they possibly... <laughs> as you possibly can. <laughs> and i kind of i kind of like his vibe as well like i didn't really watch a lot of jack Grealish back in the day when he was um at villa when they were in the premier league before but i've been really really impressed with his his football the last few weeks but yeah that hair is something else it's like i I think he always had quite bad hair but it just seems to be getting wider and wider (laughs) to the point where he's just gonna have hair like extending five feet each way of his body
1: like a coat Um, hanger
0: yeah exactly and I I don't know. It's it's really weird. There's something strange about the post-match interview where yes. he, he comes across really confident, and you're like, "Have you not noticed what's going yes. on?" Yes,
1: <laughs> I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, "Why didn't you just pat this down before you came into the studio? Like, what is going on? Did has someone not told you? Like, have you just come straight from the pitch to here? Surely you've had two minutes to like just touch Look your in the hair mirror. and see what's yeah, happened. Have a little. I don't know. That really shook me.
0: Is this, is this the life that footballers lead? Like, they're so sheltered that no one tells them their hair is bad? I guess so. I
1: don't know. Well, I mean, he's a captain. Him. I, don't, I don't mind telling him.
0: Hair aside, he had a fantastic game and he's actually starting to look like a genuine FPL option. Although I'd maybe say hold fire for the next three weeks if you're, if you're looking at a Villa player because they yes. face Man City away and then Liverpool at home and Wolves away and I think that Aston Villa look decent defensively actually but I think when they come up against teams as good as Man City and Liverpool in attack you're gonna I don't know they're just a bit more wily in their in their play and I think they'll control the game quite easily against Aston Villa but what do you think of his performance and and him as maybe an alternative to McGinn if you're uh Looking villas way
1: Yeah, I mean, how much is McGinn? Five point six.
0: So he's gone up to five point nine now. Oh. What is his name, McGinn? What is his first name? John. It is John. I
1: have a problem have for some reason. That, I, I no, you're
0: right. That. It is John, but I keep wanting to call him Scott, and I don't know why. It, it's is that because a...
1: he's Scottish?
0: You know what? That could be it that some like wires are loose in my head and I've connected those two things. But anyway, yeah, he, he rose up to 5.9 on Saturday morning.
1: That's quite a lot.
0: Which I was quite worried about because I was like, I'm going to make the changes in the, in the morning, but I need to make sure I'm actually out of bed. So what I actually did was I stayed up until 3am to make sure I didn't miss my wildcard changes. And, uh, I transferred out uh, John McGinn and that, Allowed me, that price rise allowed me to get Callum Hudson-Odoi in for the week.
1: Oh, no, you didn't.
0: I did. I did. I haven't and that was even
1: looked at your team.
0: Yeah, that was my one masterstroke of this week. I banked that McGinn money. I, uh, I did go for Winston Reed in the end because it was the only way I could get both Callum Hudson-Odoi and Trossard.
1: We were talking about Winston Reed actually, because we were talking about Chris Wood being Kiwi. And I mm. was like, oh yes, and also Winston Reed is Kiwi, and Charlie was like, um, I thought he was Australian. And I was like, no. no One of yeah. Ant's favourite p- facts on the three episodes of the podcast he was allowed on was that Winston Reid was from New Zealand.
0: And there you have it. And he also is not a professional footballer by the looks of things. He came up on, um, I was listening to another football podcast the other day, and they were doing a little quiz And it was, like, someone who was born in 1972 or something, or, like, 1978. Um, So, you know, they'd be, like, 40 now. Mm -hmm. And one of the people guessed that it was Winston Reid. What? And I was like, that is how long he's been off the radar as a footballer. (laughs) The people think he's in his 40s now. (laughs) Like, it's kind of amazing, really, but he... um, yeah, he came in because he's at 3.9 and allowed me to get the team I wanted in the end. And I think after this week, I'm quite glad I played it because although my score isn't amazing at the moment, I'm currently on 30 points with two left to play. Um, if I hadn't made those changes, I don't know if I would have had 11 players.
1: Yeah, your team, I do quite like the look of your team, to be fair. Hmm. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the Van Dyke and Robertson, I still don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. But yeah, overall, I quite like the look of your team.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Van Dyke and Robertson is just one of those where it's like
1: oh, the clean sheets didn't... are going to come. You didn't go for Dunk in the end.
0: No, I didn't. You I went for thought... Reed
1: instead because of money, or no? Uh, yeah,
0: so I can I can um, I had to have a cheaper defender in there. Yeah. Um, regardless, as my fifth one, but. Yeah, I think I maybe could have done like Duncan a 4.5. That might mm-hmm. have been affordable. But I thought that Bolly's fixtures overall, and just I kind of trust Wolves a little bit more to keep some clean sheets. I looked at the teams that are playing, I thought there are quite a few who are quite poor in attack. And uh, one of the things that Wolves are quite good at is just stifling teams that aren't good at creating. So, um, yeah, I kind of favoured him slightly. And decided to go for that one, especially as I thought he might play this week, because I put Trossard in my starting 11 and was fairly convinced that he would not, he would either start or he wouldn't play at all. And that turned out to be right. But yeah, Mm. Hudson-Odoi, the real masterstroke of the week for me, which I had the choice, you know, I could have had Abraham, I could have had Mount, I could have had Hudson-Odoi. I like the look of Abraham, but I wanted my two Bournemouth guys, which worked out pretty badly in the end but you know
1: well you didn't get them in just for one week though did you
0: yeah exactly although I was having strong feelings of wanting to transfer one of them out for next week against Watford but we'll discuss that later anyway yeah but Hudson-Odoi he's gone up in price already point 0.1 uh Burnley Watford Crystal Palace in his next three they're not particularly great games um even Watford I'd be a little bit worried about because I think they they showed themselves to be a little bit more in control defensively against Spurs. And I don't know if that's because Spurs are bad or Watford are good, maybe a bit of both. Um, But I thought Hudson-Odoi, you know, got an assist in this game and it wasn't anything remarkable, but he created so many chances and that led to him getting three bonus points. And I think from what I've I've seen from him, he also scored two goals for the under-21s, England under-21s in the week. He seems to be the standout option to me from from sort of seeing the highlights i don't know how you feel do you do you think he's a good value proposition um ahead of someone like mount or do you think you just stick with the guy you've got for now or maybe if you're a new person uh, a person who doesn't have any chelsea assets already would you be looking his way instead at that lower more tempting price
1: how much is mount
0: mount is 6.7 or 8 now
1: Yeah, if you have Mount, like, don't switch him around. Unless unless you're switching around for money, uh, I guess, but otherwise don't do that. But yeah, definitely, if you don't have any Chelsea assets, I still don't know how I feel about doubling up on Chelsea. I don't think that's necessary. Not yet, anyway. Not at this point in time. Hmm. But um, yeah, I definitely think Hudson-Odoi is a good option. The fact that he just came straight back from injury and three assists on the bounce... Regardless of how much time he's had to play in the game, I think is is a good sign.
0: I heard some great stuff on him on a on another podcast as well, where uh, it was Rob Green, your your favourite guy, uh, oh. Rob Green from
1: England's greatest goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and also it was at Chelsea um, last season, wasn't he? Just as like a, an understudy to Caballero and uh, Kepa, but he. Um, he was talking about Hudson-Odoi and how that everyone in the team was shocked that he wasn't playing under Sari because he was doing so much amazing stuff in training and was just such a, a star. And that kind of pushed me over the edge, I think, because I've I've seen a bit of um, Mount and Abraham and while I think they're good and they they've been performing really well, I always have a little bit more of a liking to those sort of, Wide forward types, the wingers who are going to go on lots of like mazy dribbles and take people on and really try and take the game to people. And I think that's what Hudson Nadoy does. He he really owned this game in particular. Um, played the full ninety, I think Mason Mount came off, and he created so much. It, it was ridiculous, and I just think his technique is great. He was on corners as well, and the difference for me was. I managed to get another sort of around the 6 million range midfielder in. And if you're playing with a cheaper defence than I am, then that could mean the difference between, you know, Mount and a and a 6 million or Mount and a 7 or 8 million midfielder or, or striker. So there's a, a good saving there and a player who I think, over the course of the season, could actually be a better bet overall. It's just we've seen a little bit more of Mount and he has... Um, he does have that knack of being in the right place at the right time. But I agree with you, doubling up on Chelsea still feels a bit a bit wrong to me at, at the moment because this is uh, something we discussed in the last podcast, but when they're coming up against defences like Newcastle, more stubborn defences, they did struggle to to score. And I think they had a number of good chances, but there's a lot of great last-ditch defending from Newcastle and a lot of good goalkeeping from Debravka, And you could see that that frustrated them over time. Um and it ended up being quite a, I wouldn't say a lucky goal, but like the the chance that was finally scored was not really much of a chance. It was actually a really, really good strike from um, Alonso and the layoff from Hudson-Odoi it was a little bit short, a little bit of a crap pass compared to the rest of the stuff he'd done in the game. So I would kind of approach with caution there. And obviously in weeks like this, where absolutely everything goes wrong and you've got two or three Chelsea players... It doesn't quite look so good. Uh, So, yeah, there's that. Um, Who else? So you got a little note about Man City defenders in here. What what do you want to say about them? Because I'm done with Man City defenders, to be honest. Oh,
1: me too. I got rid of Zinchenko this week for Willy Bolly, which is fine.
0: Which I think was actually a little bit unlucky that that didn't pay off uh, clean sheet wise because it was a horrendous mistake that led to the Southampton goal. Yes, Um,
1: but Daniel, you must remember that I do also have Danny Ings.
0: You do also have Danny Ings. (laughs) He's looking good value at the moment, but we'll stay on um, Man City for now. So you got rid of Zinchenko. Otamendi was apparently injured or something. To be honest, I'd be moving off him anyway because I don't think he's very good. I think he creates problems for that defence.
1: Yeah, it's just nuts, isn't it, really? I mean, I guess the idea is that uh, Pep was preparing for the... Champions League game on Tuesday, um, which makes sense. But it does make any Man City defenders just so undesirable because you just never know what's going on. I thought it was nice that Mendy played the full 90. That was good to see him back, right back at it again. But yeah, it doesn't really seem like it's worth anyone's time to be faffing around with Man City defence at the moment.
0: The one I would look at as a contender... Just if you're, uh, and this is, um, this is if you're thinking of playing a little bit of a renegade game and you want to go for high risk, high reward. But I was very impressed by Zhao Cancelo, who's now at 5.3, so he's actually cheaper than Otamendi. And he replaced Walker. I don't, was Walker injured? He's yellow flagged here, so maybe he was injured. Oh, he had illness,
1: <laughs> nondescript illness.
0: So, Yeah, no, this is probably too risky. I thought Cancelo had a fantastic game. I think he got three bonus points in the end, actually. He didn't get an assist, but he created so many chances. And if you think about Kyle Walker, like he has so much pace and there have been maybe, I think there was one game last season, might have been against Arsenal actually. And he was just sensational. He was bombing forward constantly and, and created so many chances. But Walker just doesn't do that enough. Like, for someone with his physical attributes, he isn't actually a very good attacking fullback. And Cancelo in the side created so much from the right-hand side and um, really good chances. In fact, there was one in particular that uh, put Sterling, Sterling in right on the penalty spot and Sterling just completely fluffed up his technique, which is something he did a lot in this game, despite uh assisting David Silver with the most amazing little chip ever. But um yeah I do think Cancelo could be worth looking at, but if you're a a manager who wants to do well, probably (laughs) probably ignore it because it's it's very high risk. I just wanted to, you know, honour his performance. David Silver on the other hand i like him because he's at 7.6
1: you've always liked david silver
0: i have i have been quite a fan for quite some time and i had him a lot last season and actually had some great weeks courtesy of him um especially the ones where the likes of sterling didn't show up and i think he's continuing that this season the only problem you have like always with man city is rotation threat but at 7.6 He's actually very, um, you can accommodate that. You can accommodate yeah. someone at that price missing a few games. And I understand that De Bruyne is kind of the meta pick. But actually, I look at that and I, if I didn't want to leave the door open for Pepe, I would probably look at just downgrading De Bruyne to silver and having mm. actually a more a ba- more balanced team. Because I don't look at City at the moment. Maybe their next two games, I mean, I know they play Villa and Southampton their next two which look like they could be games where where City really beat up on them. So Both I want to keep De Bruyne well. for those. Yeah. Uh, I think it's understandable to want to keep someone like De Bruyne for those because those are kind of games those big clutch players really come into the fore. But Silver in other games. I mean, he is he's been remarkably consistent and he's only what 15 points behind De Bruyne and he's almost 3 million less. So he is one to watch, and and maybe if you don't quite have the money, or you want to you want to roll with a slightly more balanced team, he could be a guy to look at, or even as a double up. I mean, Silver and De Bruyne rather than Silver and Sterling could have been really uh, really profitable this week, and freed up a lot of money elsewhere. Mares looks like he's kind of on the out. I'd I'd probably bail on him now if you'd brought him in. It was starting to look like he'd got into the side, but I don't know. Eight point seven and he's in and out of the team he was dreadful against Wolves he didn't even come on for this this match looks like his days are numbered for the time being and Aguero of course didn't play at all
1: but I assume that's because Champions League
0: yeah and also uh, he had a slight injury uh his international manager came out and said something about him not training properly and, and having right. a problem so it's probably not going to be a long-term thing but you know it happens you know it happens when you've you've got Aguero sometimes Jesus will play and he scored instead uh so Danny Ings is another another guy who just keeps on performing and is flying a little bit under the radar at 5.9
1: it's so stupid like I don't know how this is happening I don't know how I've ended up here again it's like every season I'm just stuck with Danny Ings thinking it's going to be great, and then it is great, and it's (laughs) And then it is great. (laughs) But then it's it's not right. It doesn't feel okay. Four goals so far this season, and an assist at some point, but three goals, one in each of the last three game weeks, which is absolutely bonkers. I don't think anyone is sitting around thinking that Danny Ings is like a goal-scoring messiah, but look, it's working. And he's getting bonus points. That's the real thing here I don't know what I wanted to use the word clinch but that's not that's not
0: a word is it the real clincher
1: yeah yeah if that makes sense (laughs) we'll take it yeah um is that every week he's on like two or three bonus points if he scores one goal that's it bonus points he's in and it's nuts
0: I wonder why that is he must be
1: this week it was because Jimenez got the yellow card
0: yeah yeah Ings he's a weird one because it's kind of uncomfortable if you own him,
1: yeah, I can't with any like conviction tell anyone to get Ings in. Yeah, like I, I, don't believe that. I don't believe that it's a good idea. But I already have him, and it's working. In fact, Dan, I've got the captain armband on him for next game week. Oh my That's goodness! That's where we're at. Because I'm just like, well, you
0: you won't keep it on him. Well. You won't because it's a Friday night game. Oh, there's yeah, no there's no way you're captaining a Friday nighter.
1: <laughs> no, but it does put me in a bit of a problem position because obviously I also have Vardy, so I can't captain either of them. And I do think there will be multiple goals in that game because I still think that anyone getting Pereira in is an idiot. That's the end of my story.
0: Well, we've, we've talked about this a million times. Leicester do not keep clean sheets. I know that Pereira scores goals, but they have two clean sheets one clean sheet all season no two and one was on the first day where there was a goal disallowed that shouldn't have really been disallowed so why (laughs) just why like
1: as soon as Burnley scored I was like yes obviously
0: yeah and they should have had two for god's sake but like okay I understand like great attacking threat yeah but he's priced like a Liverpool defender and yeah you could probably say that Liverpool don't keep clean sheets at the moment either but They have been known to do it historically. (laughs) Leicester just do not. Um, And I don't understand it. But no, uh, Danny Ings, uh, the thing that I noticed about him is uh, two of those goals have been against top six challengers as well. So you've got Chelsea and Spurs in there and uh, a nice little goal against Wolves as well, who are sort of in that that bracket just outside of the top six. And obviously
1: the goal earlier in the season was versus Liverpool.
0: Yeah, exactly. And who are they playing next? Leicester and Man City. Oh, and then Everton after that. So basically, they're playing a bunch of like top eight teams, and Danny Ings only scores against top eight teams. So you'll
1: have to captain him. That's bring that's him in.
0: It. I, I do think that Leicester Southampton game could be really really interesting. And one of the things we spoke about earlier in the season is that Southampton, the way they play, is very high energy. It's very intense. There's lots of winning the ball back high up the pitch, and if you look at the goal that that um, Ings scored, it was basically forcing the goalkeeper into a crappy kick that then leads to them make it uh, like taking a bad touch, and Danny Ings just running through on goal. And it doesn't really make sense because they didn't create a chance through good play, but I think just their their general harrying and their general uh, general sort of pressure that they constantly put the defense under made that situation happen mm. and um I think Leicester will struggle with that because I think they're good at playing the ball around against quite passive defenses but I also think So and Evans can definitely lose the ball in their in their area because I think Chu in particular is a little bit cocky sometimes and he does like to to go for a little turn and and something to make him look good on the ball, but uh, Danny Ings is, for a forward, he's a good tackler and that fits right into Hooter's way of playing. So yeah, I definitely, if you have him in the team, I'd definitely be playing him again this Friday and I guess only if you have a, it's hard to recommend him with those fixtures, but at 5.9, like you're getting great bang for your buck there. So if you're looking to upgrade someone somewhere else in your team um, and you don't have the funds, I think that Ings could be a good replacement for a sort of 7 million forward. That is, say, uh, Teemu Puki, who isn't really doing it at the moment and I think has a, a run of pretty tricky fixtures. That could be a good switch. And uh, I think Ings and Chris Wood are sort of the two in that price range that I'd be looking at at the moment. Wood has also been really consistent over the last few weeks and kind of gone under the radar, I think. Any love for Wood?
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about putting him in here until you mention it now.
0: Yeah, he, he's he been great. He's been really consistent and he's uh, 6.2, I think. Yeah, 6.2 and he's got 35 points. Mm. Bear in mind, he blanked for the first one, like two, three, four, weeks. five game weeks. But in the last four, he's scored two, scored one, scored none, scored one. And mm. arguably could have had a I second so. if it wasn't for yeah. VAR. So I think he's someone who who should be looking at if you're... Um, looking to make a, a striker switch soon. And that was actually one of the things for me. I'm, I'm looking at Josh King and the way that Bournemouth played at the weekend. Uh, did you see the highlights? Do you get all the way through to this? Because I think this was the last no. game on Match of the Day.
1: I actually didn't see the highlights for the Spurs-Watford, the Wolves-Southampton or the Bournemouth-Norwich.
0: Right. So Southampton actually looked really good against Wolves and I think they were um, they were quite unlucky not to win actually in the end they had quite a few good chances Blah, what was the other one Bournemouth yeah I forgot that game was even on when I was watching match of the day and I was like oh great yeah it's nearly finished like it's I, I can go and do something else rather than watch this football I completely forgot about it and then it came on and I was like oh god yeah I wanted to watch how my two star strikers did <laughs> and I saw a bit of this saw a bit of this game live I remember one moment in particular with uh Dom Solanke missing a chance when Callum Wilson had put him through on goal that was basically all that happened in the entire game um and and that would have been offside actually that would have been ruled out because I noticed on match of the day Callum Wilson was offside in the build-up so that definitely would have been ruled out and I guess I don't have to worry about that anymore but Mm. I can't explain to you how bad Bournemouth were attacking they just they had nothing to offering going forward generally but like um Solanke was the one I took issue with because when I saw he was playing and, and Eddie Howe said that it was because uh matey boy Josh King said it was because he came back fatigued from international duty which is fair enough you know it happens Uh but he was one of the two I brought in I'm just glad I didn't captain him because I did think about changing it in the end and he left it until 62 minutes to bring Josh King on when Don Solanke it was basically losing the ball any time it came anywhere near him, and genuinely looked like a, a an amateur player in a professional game. It was so frustrating and so painful to watch, and I think Bournemouth in general just they couldn't string more than two passes together. But he really stood out, and that's got me really worried. And I think Eddie Howe after the game sort of spoke about how the attack just didn't get going, and he wasn't happy with how they how they played trying to create chances but I don't know that got me really worried about having a a double up even if it's for the next few weeks because I think Watford were improved I think they um came up against the Spurs side quite low in confidence but really Watford should have won that game quite comfortably they had enough chances to um with Bournemouth it was just it was lifeless like I think really Norwich had the not the best of the chances but they came closest to scoring Yeah. And I was really disappointed with how little Bournemouth were able to do against a Norwich side who just conceded five goals to um, whoever it was they conceded five goals Aston to. Aston Villa. Aston Villa.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it also is typical that the two teams who hadn't kept a clean sheet this season came up against each other and both kept to clean sheets.
0: Exactly. And that is why I went for Bournemouth for the clean sheet cup, because I was like, I know something weird's going to happen here. Maybe a Bournemouth clean sheet. And that's going to be where all the points come from.
1: No,
0: It's it's quite frustrating. But I think this is also looking at it in a more objective sort of uh, nuanced, maybe nuanced isn't the right way, but a more fair way. I guess this is what you get when you bank on like lower mid table teams. Yeah, sometimes they're just bad. And that's why they have lower wage bills. And (laughs) yeah, it it felt like one of those games that was very mid-table. Neither of them really wanted to lose it. I think Norwich were low on confidence and wanted to try and keep the back door shut and not concede any stupid goals, which they, you know, they did really well limiting the chances that Bournemouth had. The frustration was that Bournemouth just really didn't press very well and they didn't, in possession, they never, uh, never looked threatening at all. And it does have me worried, but I think next week is a, another week. They're playing Watford, who look improved. But with these players, you kind of just don't know what you're going to get. And I'm going to stick with both of them. I'm going to make no transfers. And I'm going to hope that it comes off because it could just be the case that it, it clicks on that day and everything goes well. Um, but never never captaining Callum Wilson again. This is the first time I've owned him, ever. Really? amazingly and he's been like a meta pick for for the last few years when he's been fit but like the first time I've owned him and I captained him so out of character and I pay the price now but at least I didn't kind of screw it up with Mane because that that was what I was really gutted about at first um okay anyone else to talk about before we Uh. move on to yellow card corner
1: I would just like to mention um, that Chaloba played and not only did you not tell me, you still didn't react when I was like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe you didn't tell me that Chaloba was playing.
0: Sorry, I've been a bit in my feelings this weekend because, you know, the results didn't always go my way. But and, you love uh, Chaloba. I do, I do. But I'm, I was more angry that Watford didn't win against Spurs than I was happy about Chaloba getting his start. It was very frustrating, like that game and the v a r stuff just kind of took precedent because I really th- feel like when you're Watford in that situation and you haven't won all season and you're in pole position to win, and then v a r mugs you off twice,
1: mm.
0: oh, that's got a sting, and they they have had so much bad luck this season. some of it uh, do you see Welbeck came off within two minutes with a hamstring injury
1: yes
0: he literally. Yes. I think you said you, you didn't see the highlights for this, but like... No,
1: but I knew that he'd come off.
0: Yeah, um, he, he basically started running with the oh, ball. Oh, you know what?
1: No, actually, we did see we, see... we saw the highlights long enough to see that Welbeck came off. Yeah,
0: yeah, he, he started running with the ball and then just stopped... And oh. passed it and like started holding it. It wasn't even like a sprint, it was just like a light jog. Oh. And you could immediately see that his hamstring had gone and when he passed the ball it was just him trying to get rid of it because he, <laughs> he needed to lay down. And I was like, yeah. Oh my god, that guy has so much uh so much bad luck with his injuries and his, his body in general just letting him down. It's a, a real shame and uh Yeah. Kinda sucks. But then De La came on and was, was quite good. So I'm kinda looking at I'm looking at guys like Delafield, and I'm no. actually thinking.
1: Stop! Stop looking! No, no, no!
0: I'm just saying. Look away! You got. L- oh my dog's just come downstairs.
1: Yeah, because your dog actually hey, talking about Delafield. De La La She's like,
0: stop this, Dan.
1: Yeah.
0: I've come to put an end to this.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: Quick shout out for Everton for doing the unexpected and playing a good game of football. Luca Dean with a clean sheet, and I thought the attack looked looked brilliant. I mean I, th- I feel like we discussed this in the preview last week where we were saying this looks like you know great this is like, looks like it's going to be a terrible game and the kind of game where just Everton go and perform for once and actually win and they they duly did that. I thought um, Theo Walcott looked really good <laughs> amazingly, and uh Iwobi. But like none of these guys for me are quite in the in the sphere of players you should be looking at yet. I just thought that was worth shouting out because, you know, Everton are usually crap. And this time they weren't. So um yeah, you wanna give us some details on Yellow Card Corner?
1: Yeah. So we already spoke about, you know, this week's top yellow card story in uh Milvojevic, uh with his sixth yellow card this season. Holobas has also received his uh his fifth yellow card and will will now be banned for the foreseeable unfortunately the foreseeable will only be one game week uh so the players on currently on four yellow cards dunk rose xhaka who's yet to play this game week uh at time of recording lerma uh jorginho and Fabinho. hmm
0: that totally wasn't the reason I didn't go for dunk but actually seeing this again has just reminded me I'm so glad I didn't go for dunk. I'm waiting for that yellow card. It's yeah. it's a tightrope.
1: The, the way my uh, defenders can rotate like it doesn't really bother me hmm. at all um, but it will be a shame when he inevitably misses out.
0: Yeah when, when you really need him when everyone else is injured or whatever yeah but we'll see we'll see anything can happen and if anyone owns Shaka then oh I don't know what to say to you man. That's just that's foolish. foolish. Right, um what's going on in the denalysis domestic this week? Have we got any uh any exciting news?
1: Um, not really. It's kind of hard to tell and I don't wanna um don't wanna tell any lies hmm. because yeah. the game week is not yet finished. But uh Mikey McLeod will almost definitely still be top and it looks as though Lawrence Faulkner is likely to be the game week's top scorer um so if I forget about this next game week hmm. you can be this week's top scorer but if I do remember to double check you might not be
0: let's give it Lawrence let's do it I think he deserves it he's worked hard I agree deserves to be appreciated for his his good work um yeah well done and it's not my mum for once so that's good <laughs> yeah and also means that uh yeah, she hasn't had the best week, but I think she has David Luiz to come, so.
1: Oh, who knows what could happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, so um, should we look ahead to game week 10?
1: Yeah. And see
0: what's what's happening there. I'm quite looking forward to this. I don't have a little bit of a selection headache at the moment.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: It's pretty tough because, uh, you know, we're in this season where it's like, hey, clean sheets never happen, or they only happen for the worst teams that you don't expect to get them and i have four defenders at the moment and i like the look of it but i kind of yeah. want to play trossard and i'm like do i put him in do i put him o- him in over bolly no mm. because he's playing newcastle and i like the look of that do i put him in over tierney no because he's my exciting new player and robertson and van dyke i think if i own them i have to play them every game like yeah it'd be foolish to rotate and that's at Anfield, and that's against Spurs, so it's pretty tough, it's pretty tough to know what to do, but we kick off the weekend with a, a Friday night game, Southampton uh, versus Leicester, and I think this is actually a good a good looking Friday night one, and I would like to own a player in this, I'd like to have a, a Danny Ings, or you know, an exciting attacking player from Southampton, but unfortunately it can't be done, um, what do you reckon about this, I mean it's certainly not Captaincy viable considering the day?
1: It's not. Um my captains is really fucked this week. But um f- fuck, I'm either gonna have to captain the Friday night or the 1230.
0: Oh god, no. <laughs> no, don't Those say that. Those are my
1: only options.
0: That's hurtful.
1: Um Th-
0: that's the great thing, like using this rule. I've ruled oh. De Bruyne out of my captaincy discussion. I've just been like, know. Yes. I don't
1: have anyone else to captain. I'll have to captain Willy Wally.
0: You could do... Do you have Abraham?
1: Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to... I'm not captaining him against Burnley. Yeah, I'm I playing know. Pope.
0: But at least you'd have a 5.30 captain then. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, do you not have any... Do you have Salah? Yeah. Yeah, captain Salah against Spurs.
1: No.
0: Anyway, anyway, Southampton-Leicester looks like a good one. Yeah, um, I hope there
1: are goals. I really, truly hope there are multiple goals. Yeah,
0: I think there should be. And I, I thought Southampton looked much improved against Wolves. And I don't know, I think this is the kind of game that Leicester might stroll in thinking, hey, we're in the top four, we're we we're great, we're going to win it. And then Southampton surprise them with their, their high energy game and mm. hopefully score some goals via Danny Ings. Uh, right, Saturday, 26th of October, Man City and Aston Villa kick off the weekend. Well, not the week. I guess that technically is the the beginning of the true weekend, you know, <laughs> Saturday. Um, Man City, Aston Villa, it does look like an intriguing captaincy one. I, I find it hard to, like most football, hard to predict. I didn't love it for, for Man City. I do think this is the kind of game they should dominate and they should you know, win two or three nil. Mm. But I just, I just feel like I don't know enough about how Aston Villa are going to do in these sort of games. And I think the one against Arsenal, they were quite um, quite positive. They looked like they could create. And really, they weren't that bad defensively. They just came up against a pretty crazy situation where Arsenal just decided every shot they took was going to go in. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I feel a little bit, edgy about this one I don't really like I like Man City at the moment but Kevin De Bruyne has to be on the on the agenda right like if you have no one better (sighs) yeah what about Raheem who missed a million chances at the weekend
1: I'll have him as my vice at least
0: but not feeling confident about this
1: I don't know I don't know I really don't know how do you feel
0: about Man City in general because I'm feeling like they're not really up to speed this season
1: uh i'd agree but in terms of next game week i want to see how they do against atalanta or whoever it is the fuck they're playing in the champions league Hmm. and go from there
0: yeah yeah there's just something about city that i don't really like and uh well they created a lot of good chances against crystal palace i just don't feel like they're firing yet it's a little bit weird uh then we got Just the four, uh, sorry, just the three 3pm kickoffs, which is kind of rubbish, but it does mean we got a good Sunday. Um, Brighton versus Everton, Watford versus Bournemouth and West Ham against Sheffield United. Uh, Definitely no captaincy in here because I'm not going to be going back to Callum Wilson. And I don't know, where's the, the hype in here? So Brighton against Everton.
1: Brighton at home again, I'm quite excited for
0: yeah that one looks nice to me I think yeah I'd certainly be looking to play my my Brighton boys this is this is the thing I want to play Trossard and I know he might not even play but who is it someone got sent off yeah Moy got sent off so he'll almost definitely play surely he'll
1: yeah he'll he'll take that
0: position um unless unless someone like Alzate goes in there but
1: Alzate didn't play this week, actually, did he?
0: He came off the bench. He came oh, okay. off came off the bench in like the 89th minute or something, like really late.
1: Huh.
0: Um, but yeah, I think he was just coming back from a, a minor niggling injury as well. No, this looks like a it'd be a fun game. I think Watford-Bournemouth looks painfully hard to predict. Um, Watford, I, I feel like they could get their first win here because... You know, Bournemouth can't defend, apart from when they play Norwich, I guess. And Watford need to crack on. Like, they've been they've been playing fine all season. They just can't score goals enough. <laughs> they they, they could score one and that's it. Um, unless they're playing against Arsenal, of course. But yeah, I don't know. Like, Callum Wilson, Josh King, I'd keep them for this, but I definitely wouldn't be looking at captaincy again. That just seems like a an error on my part. Uh, West Ham, Sheffield United...
1: I've got a real problem with this one. Yeah, why? Because I don't know what to do with Diop and Lundström. Because at the moment, I'm not playing either of them. And I don't know what to do.
0: Well, if if you break it down to which team is better defensively, it's Sheffield United. Mm. But actually, I'd probably just go for Diop for a few reasons. One is he's more of a differential than Lundström. Everyone's going to have him, which could be great or could be terrible. But also... I feel like West Ham usually do quite well in these games um, against the sort of lesser sides. Mm. Maybe I'm being a little bit, uh, I I don't know. I I haven't looked at any stats to back this up, but I feel like West Ham are usually quite good at winning these games, even though they're quite often rubbish as well (laughs) because they were awful against Everton. They just didn't really get going, but I think Sheffield United, you know, they have lesser players. And it's a tough one. They, th- these are really tough to predict. So I'm glad I only really have two to three players involved in these games. And then you've got the late kickoff, which is Burnley against Chelsea. Oh I see, this is it. I, I'm looking at this and I've I've got Josh King and I've got Callum Wilson. And I'm like, maybe I could just move King to Chris Wood. And we can all have a party because that save me 0.1. I'd have a guy in the 5.30 kickoff. I wouldn't be so reliant on Bournemouth.
1: Yeah, this um, is another problem for me as well, because initially I wasn't going to play McNeil. Hmm. But actually I'm like, well, why wouldn't I play McNeil? Yeah,
0: yeah I don't think Chelsea's defence is anything to write home about. Um, they weren't really tested that much by Newcastle. Although they did get in a, a few good possession uh, positions a few times. This yeah, this looks like the kind of game that would be tough for Chelsea, and I can definitely see Burnley scoring in it. And Chris Wood, he's just got the golden touch at the moment, so he's a, a standout. But in terms of captaincy, I don't know. Like the Abraham one looks tough to justify when you've got when you've got City versus Villa. Maybe I'd I'd weigh that up and I'd actually think I'd go for a city guy over over one of these guys. Just because Burnley have a notoriously tough defence. And I think they really get themselves up for these sort of games. Yeah. The fact that it's at home for Burnley as well, there are, there are a lot of signs pointing to Burnley having a little bit of a, a giant killing, so to speak. And then on Sunday, we've got Newcastle Wolves at 2pm, which is another bad TV game. Yeah. Um I mean, exciting for me because I get to watch Willy Bolly for a full 90, but <laughs> actually, we didn't really mention Jimenez. I thought he was really great this week, even though he got like a million goals disallowed. Um, I thought his performance overall was really, really good. And he's looking kind of up to speed again. So I do like him. There's a bit of a differential. He's just quite expensive. Um, mm.
1: And they do have Europa again this And week. they do
0: have Europa, but he ha- he has been performing well and quite consistently, so... It, it's one of those ones that would have to be a brave move because I think the only people who can get him would be moving off of either puki or Abraham or or someone like that um, or even Vardy. And, you know, Vardy did well this weekend and it's it's hard to tell you to get rid of one of those guys because they've been quite consistent throughout the season. But I do like the look of Jimenez. And, yeah, this this could be an interesting sort of, you know, slow game <laughs> let's say um arsenal crystal palace at four thirty. annoying that it's not on tv because liverpool versus spurs is on tv and then also at the same time norwich are playing man united so obviously rashford walks away with goal this weekend i don't think this is conducive of or, or instructive of any kind of man united turnaround It was Mm. a big game against Liverpool at home. The fans really got behind them. It's not really hard to motivate yourself for a game against Liverpool. And Liverpool, really, everything fell apart. I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but technically they were really, really poor on the day. Couldn't control the ball. Um, Lots of passes, especially from guys like Firmino, who is usually so, so good at just getting the weight of pass right for those one-touch layoffs. and, And just kind of cute little passes that you don't expect anyone to see they were all off on the day and I think it's something to do with that Old Trafford hoodoo that they have but um Arsenal Palace you obviously have your Aubameyang shouts here Liverpool Spurs I think the fact it's at Anfield is massive and Spurs do look like they're primed for a, a sort of 3-4-0 thrashing most weeks so maybe there's a captaincy option here I mean I If I had Salah, I'd be looking at him potentially. I think I'm probably going to just go back to Aubameyang, though, because I said I'd do that. I didn't do it, and now I regret it.
1: It seems safe.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and Arsenal at home as well, so that's always good for... You know, I think the ceiling is probably higher for Liverpool. That's the only thing that makes me want to go Mane instead. Um, And, of course, Arsenal lost... The game against Palace at the Emirates last year, so that's something to consider. But I don't know. Maybe we'll have, maybe we'll feel a little bit different about Arsenal after seeing them tomorrow. Maybe when Tierney comes in and gets seven assists, and I'm celebrating and all excited about this great new player we have, it could all be different. um But yeah, I, I don't know. So where are you landing, captain t wise How are you feeling about it?
1: I really don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do.
0: Going to have to go, Bamian gotta follow my heart i always hate it when i don't like even though it doesn't work every week he's kind of a differential captain most weeks because no one's brave enough to go for arsenal guys yeah and uh i felt so bad when wilson didn't do anything and i was like i could have had my boy could have had my boy captain in my team and i've been punished for my lack of faith but hey it is what it is Oh, also, I just realized I'm playing Sheffield Henderson next week. Oh. Because I brought him in, of course. And I think he immediately rose in price as well, which is pretty good. Had quite a few little price rises with my wildcard. It's been exciting. Uh, okay, so I guess that's game week 10. It's it's exciting. I mean, hopefully things will go more according to plan than they did this week for, for FPL players because it feels like everyone online is having a freaking meltdown right now.
1: I mean, my game week went quite well, to be fair.
0: Yeah, because you had the ultimate differential, Danny Ings. Yeah. That's exactly it. How did you do overall, by the way? I, I haven't looked at your team either.
1: Uh, I'm on 46 at the moment and I'll get count well in for Salah. So I'll finish on 49.
0: Nice. Yeah, so that's a that's a really good score for this week.
1: It's the first time I'll finish above average in a very long time.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's also like um, with a, a captain blank, which... Yeah. Looking around the leagues, like the guys who've done well mostly just had Vardy captain or like um, something like that. But there's there's been, I think I've seen a few that just have quite weird teams and they've done well. But yeah, congrats to you. I'm hoping that I can get, I think I'm on 30, I'm on 30 at the moment, but I've got Bolly coming off the bench for two points. So Tierney and Aubameyang left to play hoping there's a, a nice little link up there and we've got a few goals but then have to be realistic we're playing Sheffield United we'll probably score once probably no more than that we'll see though we'll see and know. um yeah and we'll be back with a new podcast for you next Hold week on. so I, what Clean sheet cup. oh shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I even mentioned it earlier and I forgot sorry uh and I got a point last week so does that mean you're going fast? Am yes. I Okay, cool.
1: Because now we're even. Yes.
0: So good. A point from Bournemouth. Who'd have thought? Who did you say last week?
1: Uh I said Spurs Watford nil nil.
0: You uh, you know, you got the right result, result. just not the right score.
1: I'm going to say Brighton. Okay. No. I'm going to say Man City.
0: Yeah, it's a tough little game for Villa. Um okay. This yeah, this doesn't look like a week with a lot of clean sheets in it. I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to say the one that I really want to happen and just hope that my my good word translates to this becoming a re- reality. I'm gonna say Southampton on Friday night.
1: <laughs>
0: Come on guys. Angus Gunn, it's been a while. I don't own him anymore, so Yeah,
1: I just noticed that you don't own him yeah. anymore.
0: I had to get rid. It was, it was a problem. But I'm still, I'm still a quiet fanboy of Southampton. I'm, I'm watching them from afar, and I'm thinking, they've got to get back to it. Don't you worry? Don't you worry? They'll, they'll have their day. It'll probably be when they beat Arsenal in a, a few weeks' time. So, yeah, that's fun. Anyway, yeah, we'll be back with a new podcast for you next week. If you want to like follow us on, on the social medias, or you know, get at us on the email, you can follow us at the Denalysis on Twitter. Um, us all the social media already because we can't be bothered with anything else you can email us at hello at the denalysis.com. um or you can rate and review what well, i wouldn't say or and you should also do this if you haven't already Rate us five stars on itunes apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now um that'd be really appreciated and obviously we can get out to more and more people and talk about football with good honest like-minded people who enjoy the sport and Also enjoy getting lots of points from these little shirts on the screen. So, yeah, cool. Um, That's me for this week. Natalie, anything else to say to the lovely listeners? No. Well, I guess it's time then for us to say
1: bye. Bye.